Well, just continuing our series where we've been looking at uh, how we can, as believers, can prepare for the last days. We looked at a lot of different uh, topics throughout this. Uh, it's kind of amazing what kind of fits into what the scripture says of how we can prepare and be ready for then. And, and there's one aspect that we have to take really careful notice of based on what Jesus and, and other scriptures say. And, and it's something that Jesus warned us about in his message to us about the last days in Matthew 24. And he said this in Matthew 24 and verse 12. He said, because lawlessness would, will increase, the love of many will grow cold. And we actually talked about this early on in our series. We talked about the mystery of lawlessness, you know, how it's working in the world and in the last days, the tendency will be uh, for people to throw off the divine laws of their creator. And we, we see that today, don't we? I mean, that's very obvious uh, in the earth. And, you know, people are replacing God's law with laws that they like, that please themselves, that please man. And, you know, when, when men live for themselves, it's never a good outcome you know, and there's a, a, a critical effect, and, and really it's the second part that, that I wanted to focus on just for this morning, because when lawlessness increases, the love of many grows cold. The love grows cold. And uh, the Greek word for love here is divine love. It's agape. The agape love grows cold. And uh, in fact, we, we looked at that thought from, of growing cold in, a, in the previous message. You know, from the Greek, that phrase means like a cool wind blowing. You know, we've all probably blown on our hot coffee or tea or hot drink, cocoa, whatever your preference is for your drinking. But you blow on that to cool it off. But, you know, if you just kept blowing and blowing, eventually that would get cold or at least maybe room temperature, whatever the temperature of your breath blowing, you know, but we know what the Lord does with lukewarm drinks, don't we? As it says in Revelation, he spews them out. And I also want to notice something or for us to notice something, because a lot of times when we think about the last days and wickedness, we see the wickedness in the world, don't we? And it's like, man, it's getting wicked out there and darkness and they're not loving the Lord. But you know what this verse is really talking about? It says, the divine agape love grows cold. If there's one thing we know about the world, there is no agape love out there. They don't have divine, they don't have it to lose it in the first place. This can only be talking about believers and the church who begin to walk with God and they have that divine love, that, that fire for God, but then the cool wind of the spirit of lawlessness in this world begins to blow upon it and that love grows cold. That's the something that that's really the warning for believers in the last days. That that cool wind that blows and causes our love to grow cold. Here's the mystery of that when we're talking about the mystery of lawlessness. You know, we have the supreme example of this in in Revelation in one of the churches, right, where this was taking place unbeknownst to, to everyone, really, could no one really saw it on the surface. 
right? The church of Ephesus, they had a wonderful testimony. If people looked from the outward, they'd see all their works they were doing, all their sacrifices they'd made, and, you know, they were just given 110% for Jesus, you could say. And if probably if, if people looked at them, they'd say, boy, they sure do love the Lord. But then can you imagine the Holy Spirit writes a letter and says to them, where's your love? It had disappeared. It had grown cold because they had allowed it to be replaced with just doing good things, doing good works, but they had lost that love relationship. And we can read that in, in Revelation 2 and verse 4, where he start. you know, the first three verses are, you know, just commend the church being commended for their good things. But he said, yet I have this against you. You have, a, and I'm reading this from the ESV. I like how it says this. You have abandoned the love you had at first. That might have been a shocking phrase. I, I, sometimes I, I, I'm hoping in heaven we can go back and we can get the video of, of, some, of some of what's happening. You can see people reading this letter or if it's read out loud in the church and they're like, we've abandoned the love of Jesus? I mean, they had. I don't, maybe they hadn't realized it or maybe they did. But when the Holy Spirit said it, it's true. They'd, they had abandoned the love they had at first. And, th- and so he says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent and do the works that you did at first. If not, I will come and I'll remove the lampstand from its place unless you repent. I'm going to remove the anointing. I'm going to remove the spirit of power from among you and you'll be empty. Boy, that's, that's some scary verses there, especially when we consider the last days and what God is warning us of will take place there. And the, and the scary thing about that is you can appear, you can have one appearance on the outward that everyone sees that outward appearance and thinks everything's good. In fact, man, I want to be more like that. But yet the problem is within, we are lawless in that we've ceased to submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit, to growing in the fruit of the Spirit, our lives being changed and transformed and challenged and stretched to become more like Christ. And I say that as, you know, the danger of it, not that that's where we are now, but of the warning of what we want to avoid becoming, you know, where we've stopped crying out, Lord, change me, when He reveals something in us. And He's going to do that, guaranteed, right? That he's going, to, he's going to say, you know, this area, when we become lawless, we're like, well, Lord, that's okay. I'm okay with that area. We want to say, Lord, change me. Cleanse that thing from me. If not, the fire of our love starts to grow dim. We've often shared the quote from William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, you know, he, he, the words he said to some of his young recruits, he said this, he said that the tendency of fire is to go out. Watch the fire on the altar of your heart. Anyone who has tended a fireplace know that it needs to be stirred up occasionally. And you have to add material to it and you have to watch that fire because if there's one thing we can be guaranteed about it, eventually it's going to go out. 
Even the biggest wildfires in the world that can consume thousands of acres, they have a certainty. They're going to go out at some point. That's the nature of fire. And so the question is, how do we maintain that fire? How do we maintain our love for the Lord and cause it to grow? Because, you know, that it's, we want an increase in that. Well, the first thing that you know, we can consider, and, and from this context of, of lawlessness, it's that it's in our nature, just like the nature of fire is to go out, it's in our nature to want to refuse God's standard, God's ways, because that means we have to change if we accept it. And change is not easy. We don't, as humans, we like to get in our rut of what's easy and being the same and not changing is really easy. But that's not good for our relationship with Jesus. His standard, his law, his words want to enter into our hearts and there's only one result that he wants to bring about is a change, a transformation to be more like him. And that can be in the form of him speaking his word to us, the guidance of the scriptures, you know, his still small voice. And the question is, will we align ourselves to what he is speaking? Will we align ourselves to the cornerstone, as Jesus is called? You know, in the olden days when they would build stone structures, they would set up one stone, the first stone. And it's not that it was structurally different than any of the other stones, but it was, it was the first stone and every other stone placed had to be lined up perfectly to that. And if it wasn't in alignment, then the building would look all weird. By the time you got, you finished all the walls, they'd be out of plumb, they might be out of level, they would be, you know, it wouldn't be a, a good looking structure and it definitely wouldn't be a sound structure. And that's what's challenging when you're measuring for building and, and such, you know, you might think, well, it's, it's, a look, it's an inch off, but I don't think that's going to make a big difference. Well, when you start building on that, it becomes more than an inch off later on in the process. You know, maybe it's, it's leaning like a degree. Well, by the time you get to the second floor, it's going to be leaning more than a degree. It's going gonna, it's gonna to look bad and it won't be a safe structure if you're just a little bit off. But if we are a house and a temple that Jesus wants to build, we need to be aligned to the cornerstone and to build upon the rock of his word that our lives are lined up to him. And then we'll be strong, we'll be level, and we'll stand fast in the storms. But when we don't follow that standard or when we refuse it in part or in whole, that's the danger of the last days. Paul talks about the deception that's going to come upon all the earth, including believers. And, and so the question is, how are we going to respond to that? And, but Paul talks about this deception in 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 10. He says, all the, all the, with all the wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refused to love the truth and be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. You know, deception, darkness, judgment are appointed to those who refuse to love the truth. That's another scary phrase. 
Lord, don't let me refuse to love the truth. Turn my heart to love it, even when it's not fun or pleasant. But God, you know, God can do that. He can transform it. So what is challenging and difficult becomes a delight. As David said, Lord, I delight to do your will. Sometimes I've read that in the past and said, but Lord, your will is pretty hard. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, Lord. I'm not delighting in this, what you're asking me to do right now. But I believe he can change my heart so that it becomes a delight. And we need that because when we delight in his truth, we're preserved and protected now and especially in the last days when we desperately need it. You know, the Bible talks about the gifts of the Spirit. They're things he wants to give to us freely um, you know, and just pour upon us as we ask for them. He'll give good gifts to his children. But love is a little different. It's something that has to be developed because it's a fruit. It's something that has to be planted and then grown and developed in our hearts. You know, this, div this divine love that enables us to love friend and enemy alike can only be developed through Christ and his spirit I remember the story of one missionary shared that a woman on the on the field just treated her horribly. And this woman was a fellow Christian and was supposed to be, you know, in the ministry, but just treated her terribly. And she went to the Lord and and to her surprise, the Lord challenged her, said, I want you to love her back. Even though she showed hatred to you, I want you to show love to her. And she said she had to pray and fast for months in order to, to, to obey God in this situation. But she testified that at, at the end, by the end of that experience, she genuinely loved this person, regardless of what she did. That's divine love. That's true victory. That's conquering. You know, even when the enemy is, is a believer, treating us terribly, but love conquers all when it's birthed by the Spirit of God. And then we allow Him to develop that in our lives. You know, we've studied the fruit of the Spirit in, in past messages, but really the fruit of the Spirit is what substantiates us as believers. It's, it's the substance of the Christian life, of what God wants to put within us. You know, we can be Christians, but the substance is the fruit that Jesus wants to develop and grow in the garden of our hearts. One of the uh, examples we can see of love um, to be displayed on us, you can actually look at it in the Old Testament and you see the, the garment of the high priest. And he had some things that were sewn onto the bottom, the hem of his garment. And you know, we won't turn there, but in Exodus 33 it says, that the priest had golden bells and pomegranates that were sewn in. And the golden bells, you know, they were tinkling little bells, um, were sewn in, and, and they speak to us of the divine gifts operating, how the Lord wants, you know, people to, to see and to experience the gifts of the Spirit flowing in us. But then pomegranates, pomegranates speak of love. They speak of the divine love developed in our hearts. You know, it, it doesn't say this in Scripture, but it's thought that those, those tinkling bells were kind of a, a, 
handy for the high priest to know that he was still alive. When he went into the most holy place, you know, he went in with a little bit of fear and trembling because, uh, you know, God took that seriously. And so they would hear the bells tinkling and they'd say, okay, there's, there's life there. He's still moving around. But the pomegranates, you know, and so that there's like an outward thing with the, with the gifts of, yeah, they see God, the Holy Spirit's moving in that person. But the pomegranate signifies the love of Christ is alive and growing. You know, when you think about the gifts, you know, our gifts, our knowledge, our abilities uh, to, to allow the Spirit of Christ to flow through us are good. And we desperately need the gifts of the Spirit to operate in the church today. But we know from what the Apostle Paul said, it's not enough. In fact, he kind of relates it back a little bit. You can kind of see that picture of the, the high priest because he said, Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, someone without uh, the gifts of love is just a tinkling symbol. They're just, in fact, in, in the Greek, it's, it's kind of an annoying sound too. Someone who doesn't have love, it's just an annoying sound. But that pomegranate signifies that the fruit or the character of Christ is alive and growing in us. So you can have the gifts with just the spirit flowing, but not the love. And then you're missing out on the true life of Christ. And, and so that pomegranate, it's that symbol of divine love. It's actually representative of the fruit of love. When you compare Galatians 5 and Song of Solomon 4, you see the two uh compared. And it's a very interesting fruit, the pomegranate, right? When you think about all the other fruits, usually, um, you know, you can eat the, 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 the meat of the fruit or so forth. And sometimes like an apple, you can eat the skin and all. But with the pomegranate, it's one of the few fruits where you throw everything away but the seeds and you eat the seeds. I love pomegranates. They, they're tasty. But in, in one sense, Love is the ultimate fruit because it contains many of the seeds of, of the development of all of the other fruits in our life. God wants to put his divine seeds within us of joy and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance. In fact, if you study 1 Corinthians 13, you kind of see all of those things being described when Paul's describing love. When, when love is developed, we have all of the fruit growing within the garden of our hearts. And so how can we have that love continually flowing? I just want to consider three things just in, in closing here. This won't be a, another three-point sermon, but um, just three things that will encourage us to grow, for his love to grow within us. So he won't say, you've done many good works, but I have something against you because that love is missing. Right now, the first thing, you know, we already considered the concept of not refusing God's standard or laws. So the first thing is really when God speaks, we obey. We say, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. I'll obey you in this. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, then you'll keep my commandments. And that's really where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, with love. If we love him, we'll demonstrate that by obeying him. When love starts to grow cold, it's always because of a lack of obedience. 
in a certain area. You know, that's what happened to King Saul. He had such a, such a potential. You know, he, his, he had a new spirit that came upon him. He had promises. God said he'd be with him. But then he started to cease obeying what God told him to do. And his days were numbered. You know, first when he, he didn't wait for Samuel and he offered his own sacrifices at, at Gilgal. Then when he was battling Amalek, you know, he didn't obey Samuel in, in destroying the enemy and, and, and keeping uh, some of the, the flocks and herds and so forth. And so the Lord said, you know what, Saul? I can't use you anymore. And now I'm going to seek a man after my own heart who will do all of my will. John 14, 21, he that has my commandments and keep them, he it is that loves me and he that loves me shall be loved of my father and I will love him. And here's what we're really looking for. And I will manifest myself to him. Lord, I want to be someone you, you want to manifest yourself to. Well, that happens to those who love and obey him. And that's really, that's the blessing of obedience. And that's kind of, you know, one of our, should be one of our greatest motivations. Lord, I'm going to obey you because you've promised. If I obey you and I follow you, you're going to manifest yourself to me. The second aspect of how we can develop his love has to do with our thought life. And there's a verse in Song of Solomon that relates to the pomegranate. Song of Solomon 4.3 it says, your temples are like a piece of pomegranate within your locks. And here the Lord is, is emphasizing this thought of, of love being in our mind and being in our thoughts. You know, the Lord is praising his bride because her thoughts were filled with the fruit of love. And, and it's, it's really a picture of, of love working deeply within us. We can... We can uh, maybe attain a certain level of love and how we conduct ourselves towards people, what we say to them. We learn to hold our tongue, you know, when we really want to tell them what we think. It's like, okay, I need to show love here. I'm going to be nice to them. But, you know, divine love is even in our thoughts. Love thinks well towards people. That's challenging, isn't it? We can learn to speak well towards someone but what would happen if they could read our mind? <laughs> we wouldn't want that. <laughs> you see, we might give them a piece of it if they could read it. Real fruit comes when our thoughts can be directed to thoughts of love. And that's what the Lord, that's, in fact, that's what he does to us. It's not just actions that he does in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil to give you an expected end. I'm so grateful his thoughts towards me are good and to give us an expected end. But in one sense, say, the Lord's saying, well, if I do that to others, then you need to follow my example and start having thoughts that are, that are lovely. You know, when we start to think lovely things, we, we'll do lovely things and act in a lovely way towards others. But when our thoughts are filled with a lack of love, well, it'll, it's going to be a lot harder to show love. One last thing. 
In Romans 5, in verse 2, it talks about love and relationship to hope. It, Romans 5, 2 tells us that we are, we are to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God when we're in tribulation and uncertainty. Then in verse 5, it says, because hope makes us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You know, when we're in tribulation, the enemy is going to do all that he can to get us to give up hope, to say, ah, there's no hope. It's not worth even trying anymore because I just, I just can't do it. I'll give up. And he'll try to get us to take our focus off of the expected end that God has already said he has for us with those good thoughts. Or maybe it's not utter discouragement where we give up, but maybe it's just settling for something less than he wants to do in us and through us. But we are called to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We are to rejoice in the hope that God will hear our cry and he'll respond to us. And we can rejoice in the hope that God will grant us our request. In Luke 12, 29, it says, Seek and, and seek not ye what, what you will eat or what you will drink, and neither be of a doubtful mind. I confess, sometimes I can be of a doubtful mind when, when I'm really seeking God for something. Lord, is this going to take place? How long is this going to be? But, you know, every time we set our hope in God, there's, a, there's an effect. It can cause our love to be spread abroad, to gush out into our hearts, the love of God to increase. You know, when we just set our hope in God, every trial we go through, rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God, it's like a little pomegranate seed being developed within us and enables us to love God and for the love of God and his fruit to grow even more. The little seeds are, are just full of the juice of the pomegranate. Even though a trial seems to crush us, you know, it's like, Lord, I'm, I'm asking you to develop love and then it's just getting crushed. But, you know, when we set our hope in God and even though we're crushed, it causes the juice to flow out of those seeds, the love of God to flow. And so in the last days, we realize it's going to be a time of all-out attack on the love of God. The enemy it will, is fine for us to, to say whatever as far as like, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm following God. But if we love God, that's a problem for him. Because that's really all that matters. If we don't have love, well, we can, we can do all sorts of things. But in reality, we're just that a sounding brass and a, and a tinkling cymbal. But if we have his love, that's what matters. Of course, the enemy is going to do everything he can to cause our love to grow cold. He's going to cause that, that cool wind of lawlessness to blow on us, to get us to, to cast off the restraint and, the, and conforming to the cornerstone, knowing that when we do, our love starts to grow cold. But what will keep us is an embracing of his word, his standard of righteousness, of right and wrong, which is getting harder and harder to, to hold on to today, but we don't have an option, is holding on to what he says. But then his words to us, his still small voice, 
his guidance. And also to think about his love and have his love as, as a part of our thought life. You know, his loveliness fill our minds and our hearts and the hope that will make us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so let's tend to the fire of God's love within our hearts, that it will not grow, not go out, but will only grow and increase. And in doing so, we're developing the seeds of his love, the seeds of the fruit of the Spirit and life. And that love will keep us and preserve us both now and in the days to come. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your great love, that you loved us before we even loved you. And Lord, we pray that that love would only grow and increase. Lord, we just come confessing our weakness and how at times that, Lord, we don't always flow with the cornerstone. Lord, even show us if there's any areas in our life that, that aren't lined up. And would you grant us grace to, to change and be transformed to line up to you. Lord, cause us to love righteousness and hate wickedness. Lord, and that we would be those who would delight to do your will as, as King David. And Lord, that we would be those who would be filled, even with our minds, be filled with your loveliness and your thoughts towards you and towards others. And Lord, that your hope would be set firmly as an anchor to our soul. Lord, and that we would continually hope in you and that your love would be shed abroad. Oh, Lord, cause your fi the fire of your love to only grow and increase in our, in our lives and in this church, we pray. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.